I'm R.J. Bell with the sports betting headlines for Friday. Final four matchup number one, Gonzaga favored by 14 over UCLA. The question that will be answered in the next few days, is Gonzaga the greatest team in basketball history? That might seem ridiculous, but they could be the best college team ever if you look at the numbers. Second matchup, Baylor, number one seed, favored by five over number two seed, Houston. Baylor earlier this year was right neck and neck with the Zags. Then they had a COVID pause, and ever since they haven't been quite as good. Are they peaking at the right time, Baylor? And NFL win totals released. We never know when it's happening. It happened here. Most wins, Kansas City. Second most, Tampa Bay. Last, Houston. Here comes a four-hour of the Vegas truth covering all that and more. You're listening to Fox Sports Radio. 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 This is Straight Out of Vegas. With the voice of Vegas, your host, R.J. Bell. The pregame show America has always wanted. I doubt the future. From the Vegas Strip, here's R.J. Bell. I'm R.J. Bell with the sports betting headlines for Friday. Final four matchup number one, Gonzaga favored by 14 over UCLA. The question that will be answered in the next few days, is Gonzaga the greatest team in basketball history? That might seem ridiculous, but they could be the best college team ever if you look at the numbers. Second matchup, Baylor, number one seed, favored by five over number two seed, Houston. Baylor earlier this year was right neck and neck with the Zags. Then they had a COVID pause, and ever since they haven't been quite as good. Are they peaking at the right time, Baylor? And NFL win totals released. We never know when it's happening. It happened here. Most wins, Kansas City. Second most, Tampa Bay. Last, Houston. Here comes a four-hour of the Vegas truth covering all that and more. You heard it. I'm RJ live on a Friday, live in Las Vegas, live on 225 FSR stations across this great, great nation. Steve Fezzik in studio. Sports bettors listen for the money. Sports fans listen to no more than their buddies. We got... I estimated two hours and seven minutes a show. We got to fit into an hour. So we're not messing around. But I will say this bottom of this hour, I'm having a weekend basketball best bet. And it's not about the tournament, it's an NBA best bet. It is so sweet, though. I'd be neglect if I didn't give it out. The price is right. Free at the bottom of this hour. Don't miss it. I love this handicap. As you don't even know about this yet. I don't. You're going to love it. Then we're going to be at 650 or a little before 650. And that's always when we make it better than 50-50 for you. We give the picks and we'll be given NCAA tournament stuff. But let's start with the big picture of the tournament. And in the headlines, the question was, 
is Gonzaga on pace to be the best team in college basketball history? Now, I'm going to have you do point-counterpoint, Fez, but you're only going to do one point, and the one point is going to be on yes, they are if they win out, and then the second point is going to be no, they're not. Give me the most compelling argument. First, yes, Gonzaga would be the best team. And let's say in the modern era, UCLA, John Wooden, what they were doing, it was a different era, but... 1976, last time there's been an undefeated champion, Bobby Knight's Hoosiers, they're in Indiana. It feels like the universe is going to say something to us. Make the case first that the Zags would be the best. All right, going into the tournament, Gonzaga was already the clear-cut, deemed-to-be best team. Uh, No, we're not asking would they be the best team this year, Right? Mm-hmm. We're saying, would they be the best team ever? And here's the case for. Yes. Look at the results in the tournament. Despite laying huge spreads throughout the tournament, Gonzaga's not only 4-0 and against the spread, but they've covered, on average, by seven points per game. Here's, so here's a team that is just massively exceeding expectations, despite being the best team this year. That puts them in the category. So when you say best team this year, the reason that's important is because that feeds the expectations. So think about the Patriots. If you ever wonder how vague, how it's not easy just to play the best team, the undefeated until the last game, Patriots, if you took them every game from the ninth game on, all right, so first half of the season, eight games, undefeated. Now, if you would have known how good the Patriots were before the first game, you could have made some real money. They won, They covered most of those games. But from game number nine on, now let's be clear what they did since then. They literally won eight straight to finish 16-0. They won their first playoff game second. So they won 10 straight games after the 8-0 start. And against the spread, I'm going by memory here, they covered two of those games. Mm-hmm. Is that right? Yeah. So... Two out of 11 games in which they were 10 and 1, they covered twice in 11 games, even though they won straight up the Patriots 10 times. Thus, when expectations are high, it's very difficult to overcome them because the bookies, and we know what the bookies are about cockroaches. Cockroaches, yeah. They're about themselves. Beyond a normal self-interest, right? Very much like the out for themselves. You got to know it, right? You got to know it. And what they know is the public's like lemmings. Whatever's on Sports Center, whatever's on the radio, they're going to believe it. And thus, if there's a clear-cut consensus, when you have shows like Straight Out of Vegas saying, "Hey, you can have Gonzaga or any two teams," but by the way, the two teams. You got to give them plus money just to even it out. That means you're going to get a lot of default money on the Zags. Just the kind of the default. Hey, this is the sharp action, right? Yeah. And thus, you got to not only account for how good the Zags are when you juice up the price, you also got to account for the public following what everyone's talking about. And for the bookmakers to attempt to do that, and for the Zags to exceed expectation every time. That's a hell of a case, Steve Fezzik, that this is an, uh, they would finish undefeated, obviously. Now, 
We can say how tough was their schedule, and I think it'd be a valid point. But, boy, if they finish anywhere, let's just say they push the next two games. So this first game, Gonzaga against UCLA, they're a 14-point favorite. Let's say they win by 14. Right? Exactly expectation. And then let's say Baylor wins. We don't know. They're a five-point favorite. What's your estimate on the Zags? If they won by 14, Baylor, they won by five. What's the title game odds? Six. Gonzaga. Okay. And let's say then that Gonzaga wins by six. At that point, and that's the most likely outcome, is falling right around expectation. That's why it's expectation. Mm-hmm. We're straight out of Vegas. That's how we know those kind of things. <laughs> but I'll say this. If they do, you could make the case this is as impressive or maybe the most impressive six-game run we've seen in a long, long time. I think so. And even some of these great teams. So I think Connecticut back in like 2004 had a heck of a run. Uh, But there's been others, but go ahead. Yeah, but I'm just thinking into the past. And even the great teams, like the the UNLV team that won the championship. Oh, then the one that was better that didn't win the championship when Duke beat them in the semis. Remember, nine-point favorite UNLV was in that matchup. But they won the team that did win the championship almost lost to Ball State in the second round. Most of these great teams had a hiccup where they were in danger possibly of losing. That's certainly not the case with how the Zags have rolled through this tournament. I think the number, and you're hearing a lot of numbers fly. The one that I think is the most telling is how many teams in the first four games had won by the margin similar to the Zags. Mm. And I, the number was five or six. I can't remember exactly, but that was one I thought, okay, that makes some sense. So let's say the Zags up to this point is one of the five or six best runs in the modern era of the tournament. You would say, well, what is their regular season? An undefeated regular season, but without great competition in conference, but they win every game in conference by double digits. Won every game except West Virginia by double digits. The West Virginia wasn't by doubles. Every other game, the whole season, including the tournament, by double digits. You could have taken 10 points off that or 9 points off them every game, and they would have lost one. Think about that for a second. All right. But now you got to weigh it with, well, competition wasn't great. But out of conference, they were pretty competitive. I mean, they had some real games, right? Oh, absolutely. And, you know, West Virginia, you referenced that. They were a three-seed. They beat Iowa, a two-seed. I mean, this is a team. They beat Virginia. So they played some quality opponents. So when Kentucky went undefeated in the SEC, you wouldn't have said – I would have said their schedule was tougher than the Zags overall, even though the Zags really tried to make up for it out of conference. But let's say a step, a full step down from a good, tough regular season schedule. But now that would still put them as one of the seven or eight best regular seasons of the last 40 years. So if you have one of the seven or eight best regular seasons and you match up that with one of the four or five best postseasons, I don't think any other team has done that that I can think of. If you've got a thought on it, you can tweet at RJ in Vegas, and during the first break, we'll take a gander at those, and if there's any insightful things, we'll talk about it with attribution. We'll say, you know, Jim Bob 2837 or whatever, right there, baby, every every number, we promise. We're straight out of Vegas. Okay, Baylor-Houston, not as much of a big story. Now, again, right before 6.50 this hour, 6.50 Eastern, we're going to be 
handicapping the games. And as we said, bottom of the hour, I've got my special surprise NBA best bet this weekend. What, what do you see as the big Baylor Houston? And obviously, as we were debating the Zags, the real takeaway is strength of schedule, right? I mean, really, is there any, I guess, is there any other that you see? With, with the Houston? That you would know that with Gonzaga, uh, yeah. if you would make the case against them being... Only that weak West Coast Conference schedule. Yeah, I That's agree. It. And we didn't say it explicitly. We just kind of segued to it. So, I don't know if there is, but Baylor-Houston, what do you see big picture-wise other than COVID being something that had a 20-day hiatus in February, and then the next three games, uh, Baylor was 1-2 and two against the spread... So they fell way short a couple of those or one of those games specifically. And then everyone got down on them. Ken Palm got down on them, the computer ranking. And now the question is how good is Baylor relative to how good we thought they were before the COVID pause? Because really it was 1A, 1B. Baylor was right there with the Zags this year as not that much below them. But then after that, pause and then uh, some bad games and again it was more on expectation it wasn't they were losing by a bunch Baylor got reassigned to just back in that B pack right you got to wonder is that true what's your thoughts on that I don't think they're quite fully back to the level they were at during the regular season. I know they've covered all their games in the tournament. Yeah, that seems about all you can do, right? Yeah, but the, no, they're, well, they're, you can say yeah, but with that tone, but make your case. The case is that they've covered by a basket or two the last three games, so it's been very close all of their games. Yeah, but the in spread. general, throughout the year, a team's going to not cover. They're typically a team's going to be fifty-fifty against the spread. So you're you're saying they could exceed expectations by more. But they exceeded expectations. That's pretty tough when you're the second best team in college basketball, meaning they're getting some of that public money too, right? Yeah, they are. And if you look at Baylor, the eight games after the COVID pause, so they had the 20-day pause, then the next eight games, two wins against the spread, six ATS losses. And that includes the first round of the NCAA tournament, which they did. Now, was that a cover or not the first round? They actually failed against Hartford. Yeah, so real close. Okay. So two and six, and now since then, cover, cover, cover. But Fez says, not by enough to pass the Fezzik (laughs) test. But it does seem like when you're two and six, if you cover three straight, seems like you maybe got it turned around a little bit. I think they definitely do have it turned around. And going into the tournament, we thought Baylor was the third best team. The odds said Illinois was second. Now I think it clearly Baylor's the number two. Okay, when we come back, we're going to talk some NFL action. And it's a big day. Literally, the win totals are out. We know how many games of the 17 each NFL team is expected to win. We're going to cover the most interesting teams, maybe even give you a pick. That's when we come back. We are straight out of Vegas. Straight out of Vegas! Be sure to catch live editions of Straight Out of Vegas weekdays at 6 p.m. Eastern, 3 p.m. Pacific on Fox Sports Radio and the iHeartRadio app. What's up, everyone? It's me, three-time NFL All-Pro Sean Marion. And I have a new sports podcast called the Lights Out Podcast with Sean Marion. This podcast is special to me as I get a chance to talk to some of the best who've ever done it on the field or the track. So whether it's talking to a Super Bowl champion or a NASCAR Cup Series champion, the Lights Out Podcast will bring it to you the only way I know how to. I'm giving you the best insight from the best who've ever done it. Listen to Lights Out with Sean Marion on the iHeartRadio app or wherever you can get your podcast. Podcast. 
I'm RJ Bell. We are straight out of Vegas. Joan is back on Monday. Steve Fazek joins. We just finished the big picture of the NCAA tournament. And right before 6.50, if you're there at 6.50, you're late. We'll say it that way. We'll do better than 50% for you, Fez. That's going to stick. I don't care. (laughs) Fetch, as they say. But we got that, and we got the win totals. Literally, in like 42 seconds, we're going to be talking win totals. Great day to join us. This is the fastest-growing show on Fox Sports Radio. Audiences doubled in the last year plus. Thank you so much for the support. And we're going to keep working extra hard, grinding, as they say. You can listen in the weekends. A great time to listen to the podcast. Last show of the week. We do have the weekend edition of Straight Out of Vegas, 11 o'clock Pacific, Saturday night. So right before midnight Pacific time, that hour, Bernie Fratto hosting. And then we'll back Monday. But the weekend's a good time. Hey, let's listen to the podcast if you might have missed it. Just search for RJ Bell or Straight Out of Vegas on your favorite pod player. Here in Vegas on the Strip, oh yeah, 86 degrees. The neon is flowing. Okay, Fez, dealer's choice. Win totals are out. Remember, 17 games. 17 games. So an eight-win team is below average. What's your number one takeaway? The Baltimore Ravens are the third highest team in season wins. So I think Vegas got this one right, where number one, the Chiefs supposed to win 12. They're the best team. Buccaneers, 11 and a half. They're the second best. Now, the Ravens, in terms of Super Bowl odds, they're the number six pick to win. So you're talking, right? Listen, I'm going to turn the mic on for the, uh, where we have the people that watch the show behind the glass. Let's see what they're saying about you bring out the Ravens. Gee, I have to shut that off. Dude, more Ravens talk. I mean, so what's your take? I mean, because you've been really wishy-washy on the Ravens. One time, I mean, if we go back in time, I mean, we got this on tape. I've never seen two teams sit at the top of the NFL like this. They're like up there like a king and a queen. It's Kansas City and it's Baltimore. We're back in today now. Fez, Baltimore wasn't very good. Baltimore is built to win in the regular season, and Vegas recognizes this. That's why they're saying, you know what? We think Baltimore's going to win the 11 games. But right, so, so to be clear, their win total is? 11. All right, so that would be 11 and 6. All right. Now, there's two teams with a higher win total. Kansas City's number one. What's their win total? 12. Okay. So 12. I'm going to do the math in my head. Five. 12 and 5. I hate 17 games. Ugh, I'll be retired by the time I get used to this. I don't know about that. All right, and the second one, Tampa Bay? 11 and a half. All right. Now, who's fourth? There's a bunch of teams tied. And what's the, at 11? Or, or at 10 one? and a half. Okay, that's perfect. That's what I wanted to understand. So what we're saying is there's in the regular season, three teams above the others. Yes. All right. Now, let's be clear. Win totals are not exactly the power rankings. It's not like, oh, first win total, best team. Second, second, but it's close. 
but it's not that. The distinction is the factors that affect your ability as a team to win games other than how good you are. Schedule, strength of schedule. Uh, once they come out with the Monday night, the Thursday night, that kind of stuff, sure. maybe you got disadvantages. You're playing a lot of teams with buys. Maybe you got a quarterback that's going to be young and you've got some of your tougher games early, which would be a disadvantage. There's all kind of ways, but that's usually a half a win. You add all that stuff right. up. So, in general, it's a pretty good surrogate right now, a proxy for who's the best teams. Just look at the win totals. And number one, in its own category, Kansas City. Number two, in its own category, Tampa Bay. And in the regular season, number three, own category, Baltimore. Now, we know Baltimore doesn't have the scheme, the quarterback, the what? I don't know. Maybe it's luck. I don't think so. They don't do near as well in the playoffs. Yes. But what we know is, and I believe it's correlated, and that's the following. Because Baltimore's seemingly so obsessed with running up the score in the National Football League. Now, it's well known I'm not a fan of the Harbaugh family. Really? A lot of people could say it's not personal. It kind of is personal. Not fully personal. <laughs> but, I mean, I don't personally want to like say anything negative about him. He smells. But Jim Harbaugh, you know, and I'll just say this, the whispers are that he smells. And, you know, it could be that I'm an Ohio State grad and a Steelers fan, right? It could have something to do with mm, all this. Maybe. But I will say this. No doubt they're bullies. The Harbaugh's are bullies. I mean, can any, I mean, you're not anti In fact, you love the Ravens. Are they? You love them because they're bullies, right? Yeah, they just beat the heck out of the that's Cincinnati Bengals of the world. Does right, but you appreciate that, yes. Though you did have Cincinnati against them this year. Oh my goodness! And and we asked, we go, Fez. This seems to be against your kind of you know normal way. I, like I'm thinking, like why does he have this? It's like he's going to have a brilliant handicap. He goes, uh, Joe Burrow's good. Was that the entire handicap? Pretty much. <laughs> he lost by, I think, 42 or some, something like that. I've forgotten. Here's the thing, though, and I said this a long time ago. When you're up by 17, 20 minutes left in the game, let your quarterback throw some freaking passes. Let him, maybe once every three years you're going to lose one of those games. Maybe. Chances are you don't lose any of them. Right, but you don't get your, you know, macho. I uh, think of Malkovic in a gra- or in Rounders when he's kind of saying, "You're a big man. You came." It's like that kind of <laughs> feel to it, where they got to get the, like with their khaki pants and the sweat, and woo, we did it. We kicked their butt. Okay, Belichick isn't necessarily doing that, is he? Right, he wants to win, but you know, I still remember when Romo. And this was such a brilliant, this just shows you we can't even comprehend Belichick's brilliance. And anyone that critiques him is a fool unless they are another NFL head coach. And then they're smart enough not to do it. Could you imagine Andy Reid talking about Belichick's faults? <laughs> Couldn't even fathom it. But we got talk radio guys that they know his fault. He can draft, he can't draft. Maybe there's a lot of luck in some of this stuff too, huh? 
right? But when you have one team that's done double as good, if you just count playoff advancements during the era of Brady, and again, Brady had a big part of it. You know what? Show me any team that's really good that doesn't have a good quarterback. So you're right. If they didn't draft Brady, who knows what would have happened? Might have taken him another six years to get a good quarterback, then he would have dominated for 14 years mm. instead of 20. But when Romo was talking about when he was announcing and the Patriots were up, you know, 28 to 3 or whatever at this point, it was like the fourth quarter, and they ran a play in the red zone that was a pass instead of a run, and it just wasn't the place you would pass the ball. I can't remember the details, but it was like very counterintuitive. And Romo said, you know why he did that? Because he wants to mess up the stats. And it's like, what do you mean? Well, everyone is obsessed now with tendencies. Yes. Okay, when they're inside the five, they do this. And Belichick is smart enough to know, okay, I know what I'm trying to get the dirty stats out when we use our numbers. So I'm going to dirty up my stats. So when they look at it, it's going to seem like we would do this and that. But really, we're not going to do and that. We're not going to do and that. It's just that I have nothing to gain at this point. Thus, I can, by trying to score again, but I can gain something by dirtying up the stats. That's Belichickian. But somehow, the Harbaugh family and John Harbaugh. Now, I don't say John Harbaugh has an O. I mean, it's really about Jim. He smells. But... I mean, he doesn't look like he doesn't. I'll say that. And it seems to me he just doesn't have it in him to say, we'll win by just seven less points or maybe four less points because they're going to kick a field goal. And we can do something to help us win the next game. And to me, much more obvious then dirtying up the stats like Belichick would be, let your quarterback kind of have some scenarios that's like a playoff game. Right. Have him throw on third down. Have him, do, you know, on first down, on second down. Who knows, right? Put him under center. Do something different because it ain't working in the playoffs. But they did none of that. They did none of that last year. They did none of it the first year that he started. I guess it was the second year. I mean, it's three years now. Well, I guess two and a half years Lamar Jackson's been starting. And I don't, I think he might be a worse passer. I mean, do you have any sense he's a better passer? Just about the same. Yeah, I don't know. He certainly hasn't grown and advanced the way that you would expect. So what we know is the three best teams by the new numbers that just came out and the sports book? Uh, fan. Uh, <laughs> DraftKings. DraftKings. Okay, DraftKings. And they are a Jersey focused book, and but they are very ambitious and they got the win totals out. And I think I agree. I wouldn't want Baltimore as the third favorite to win the Super Bowl, but if it's coming on winning uh, regular season games, Hardballs do that just fine. I mean, not necessarily in Michigan, but, you know, they had to play sure. high state, but not this year because they didn't really, you know, they, they couldn't. It was impossible. All right. I got my NBA bet coming, but, you know, I know I got everyone's attention, and then we'll have our bet right after that. Be sure to catch live editions of Straight Out of Vegas weekdays at 6 p.m. Eastern, 3 p.m. Pacific. We are Straight Out of Vegas. I am R.J. Bow. Okay. Here's my pick, Fez. 
This is new. All right. The Denver Nuggets. So what happened? The Denver Nuggets made a trade. They made a trade for Aaron Gordon. Now, if you're not a big NBA fan, if you're not watching the, you know, the league pass, might not know a ton about Aaron Gordon. He was with uh, Orlando, right? That's right. And he's a defensive specialist. He hasn't lived up to the hype all in all, but it's always a sense if he gets to the right team. Now, there's been three games that Denver's played since his trade. And before those games, so every game this season before the last three, if you look at the defense efficiency, the defensive efficiency, Denver was number 20. So that means, okay, there's 19 teams better, there's 20, then there's going to be from 21 through 30, and that's it. So they're about two-thirds up that list. Not good. Below average. There's been three games since, and Aaron Gordon playing those three games has led, and he's played, the eye test says really well on defense. He's led Denver to have the seventh best efficiency in the NBA during that three-game stretch. It's a small sample size, no doubt. But you can accept smaller sample sizes when you have a theory before the sample even begins. So if I say, I think that these teams with new coaches are going to struggle in a COVID year like we did last year because they don't have all the time to put in their stuff. And then when it starts out that way, you can feel pretty good about it because you had a theory. right? We had a theory. Gordon would improve the D. He's improved the D significantly from number 20 on D for Denver to number seven. So first off, would you say Denver has fundamentally improved on defense would be your best guess? Absolutely. I love this play for you. And another uh, by the way, I haven't said the play yet. Well, but go ahead. No, did no. you hear did you hear the play? I, I'm anticipating. Go ahead. Okay. So what we're gonna do then, and Mackenzie, give me the exact details on the next Denver game. Is go ahead. You have it? Yes, on Sunday they're playing the Magic. Okay. And what time's that game go? One second. Take a gander. Because I got a new system. I'm going Seven o'clock Eastern. All right, perfect. So I've got a new system, by the way, that looks at playing unders in these early starting games. Because there was an interesting talk in the Lakers where they had an early, early start when they lost to Orlando and they were complaining about it. And it got me digging into how teams do with early, early starts on Sunday specifically. But we'll get to that next week, probably. We're going to play the under in this game. Under Orlando, Denver. If you want to get sophisticated, I think there's three bets here. I think there's under on the game. I think there's under on Orlando. Play the t- I think if, but but remember now, Denver's been more methodical on offense. So it, it's kind of been that yeah, they're playing better D, but they're kind of focused on D. And if you actually look at the expected points, so the three games they played against Atlanta, the 76ers, and um, the LA Clippers, the, last night. the Clippers, yeah, the Clippers, which was obviously a big game. Everyone was watching it against the Hawks. So these are the three games with Aaron Gordon nine and a half points less than Atlanta was supposed to score, they scored. So the defense by nine and a half points said, no, 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 against the 76ers, game two. Now, remember, we knew Embiid was out. It was built into the line. 
over 12 points of a shortfall for the Sixers based on what the line said they should have scored. And then against the Clippers, 15 points. So literally, you know, distinction being nine and a half or 10, it's been like double digit points that teams have fallen short of what they were supposed to score. All right. So, one, the numbers are telling us efficiency wise, Denver's defense is better. The scoreboard is telling us Denver's defense is better. Now, I got one more thought on this, but Fez, you jump in. Well, I love the fact that they held the Clippers so far below expectation because the Clippers were coming off, off a, a loss. loss against Orlando. They were angry. They were motivated. National they, TV. And they lost because they had, they had bad offense against Orlando. So here we had a fully focused offensive Clipper team that stunk against this Denver defense. Great point. That's Steve Fezzik. So last thing here. Why I think it's especially good is they have off Friday. They have off Saturday. Now, typically, you might think, okay, they're at home. Maybe they're going to be a little bit, you know, who knows what. But this is like them saying, guys, we might have we might have cracked the code here. They're going to be focused. They're going to be like texting each other, like Brady-style ideas. I, I think you're going to see a super-focused Nuggets team. Because you would say, against Orlando, maybe they're going to be a little. No. I think they run out on them. So I actually would say this. I like Denver, too. So what I would say is, let's go with, um, for the official bet, under in the game. And we don't even have the total yet. But bet it early. Because I don't think the bookmaker is going to be on to how much better Denver is on D. But the batters will be. Bet it early if you can, if you're batting it. But if you want to be more sophisticated, I'd say bet under, under Orlando in addition. So you're kind of doubling up on that, the team total under. And I'd bet Denver. So I like all three of them. But for the record keeping, we'll keep it simple. Do you like the other two? I do. That is a strong handicap. I think that focus in the days off is is the key. And I like the fact Orlando's done so well, actually, in their f- 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 three or four games since they jettisoned all their players. So I don't think we're going to have to have a, a huge point spread in this game that we might have had if that wasn't the case. All right. That was the best bet. But we got more picks coming up. When we come back, last break... There's two Final Four games. We're going to break each of them down Vegas-style. As Jonas would say, money-making time. When we come back, we're straight out of Vegas. Straight out of Vegas! Fox Sports Radio has the best sports talk lineup in the nation. Catch all of our shows at foxsportsradio.com. And within the iHeartRadio app, search FSR to listen live. I'm R.J. Bell. We are straight out of Vegas. Joan is back on Monday. Fezzik joins, and we got a best bet on the final four coming up. Fez will go with the bet first, and it's in the Houston-Baylor game. Baylor, the one seed, favored by five points in the game. What do you got? So we got a one versus a two seed. Now, typically, that would be about a two and a half point spread. Okay, now let's think about that. We got a long history of one versus twos. And as we said yesterday, it's not like Baylor is clearly the best one. In fact, they're not. And it's not like Houston is clearly a bad two. They're the only two remaining, and they weren't even a bad two coming in. So there's nothing unusual that would say, oh, this line should be bigger. Exactly right. Yet this line is double what we normally would expect at five. So the line is five. 
five, yes. And so because of what's going on, well, I just think Houston and a smaller conference is being underlooked. They had two games they didn't cover. Okay, so hold on a second. Houston and a smaller conference is being underlooked. I'm not sure what that means, underlooked. But okay, I can kind of get the gist of it. But Gonzaga's from a small conference. So what you're saying is, I mean... Does Baylor really have that much more profile than Houston? Oh, I think so. Yeah. So that's that's your of all the factors in this game, you think that's the key factor is Houston's from a small conference. Well, and they Is that the key factor? No, they Then you, why are you leading with that? Lead with the key, baby. The key factor is these two teams are comparable and I'm catching they're close and I'm catching 5 points. Okay. So what I'll do here is explain why you're catching 5 points. It's because of what we talked about earlier that Baylor had a COVID pause. And after that COVID pause, they played poorly. They played, it was eight games, the next eight games after, and it was a 20-day pause in February. So it was like from February, uh, like 2nd to 22nd, right around there. So a big chunk of February, they're just sitting around, not practicing, not whatever. First of all, you're getting out of shape. Right to some degree, in the eight games that followed that led up to the first game of the tournament, two wins against the spread, six losses, two and six against a, you know, a, for a Baylor team that was excellent. I mean, excellent this year. They were right there, one A, one B with Gonzaga for a lot of the year up until the COVID pause. Since then, since then, there's been three games, and Baylor has covered by an average of four points per game. So by 12 points in these three games, they've exceeded expectation. So it feels like there's been a turn, right? You have a Baylor team that was just outstanding, 1B with Gonzaga, all the way up to February. COVID pause, 20 days. Now we can debate how COVID affects teams. What we know is the next eight games, they were 2-6 and six against the spread, Baylor. And then now there's been three since then, and they've covered all three of them by a total of 12 points. Baylor is being penalized for something that's no longer applicable. They're no longer the team that had the COVID pause. At least the effects of it aren't there. It's not prevalent. Maybe there's a little bit. I don't know. But it isn't much because they're covering by four points in the NCAA tournament on average. That's mighty good. Do you agree with that, Faz? Yes, I do. All right. So... Would you say that was the main reason? Because when we talked about this game earlier, that was your focus. That, that you thought the COVID pause was the main reason. I just don't see how you can have a five, a Baylor team laying five against a good number two seed. It just seems inflated to me. So you actually, so what you're saying is you like Houston. I do. Oh, oh, that's interesting. So I'm confused because when we, because this is great. I mean, what I'm saying is it's great that we have two sides of this game. So you, But I, I guess what I'm thrown by is when you were talking before, you know, during the break, you were talking about you're going to use my Baylor point. Like, what were you going to use I, it I was for? using your one versus two, which you made earlier in the league. Oh, oh okay. That this is unusual to expect such a big spread of one versus a two, unless we had a historically good one or a bad two. Okay. So this is, we just disagree on this game. All right, so the the Gonzaga, but let's be clear. You like Houston plus the points. Yes, I do. I like I like Baylor laying the points. We got about thirty seconds, Fez. Give me the Gonzaga handicap. To me, it's real simple. 
is a Zags. It's a big jumbo number. I'm not anxious to bet it. But UCLA is fraudulent. A.J. Hoffman made a great point. Is the average for three-pointers, the average made, is about 37%. UCLA's opponents have made 25%. And it's not like UCLA some great defensive team. So, in general, what we've had is teams just shooting poorly against UCLA. They've gotten there. They don't belong there against a Zags team that might be the best we've ever seen. So, I don't love it, but I would lay it if I had to. We gave you the odds. Next up, the odd couple. Talk to you Monday. Straight out of Vegas!